Hey, cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. It is just Justin and I today. We are doing an episode on the um, maybe surprise film coming out whenever it is announced with uh, Detective Pikachu. Um, we definitely have some things to say about this movie. And uh, it, since it's just me and him, we're going to kind of do this like we always do. And uh, so, Justin, what do you think about Detective Pikachu? Well, um, the funny thing is, is that what I'm about to say uh, is probably going to sound like the biggest compliment, but it's funny because when you really think about it, maybe it's not saying much, but to me, honestly, out of the movies that are based on video games, and there are quite a few, you know, when I sit and think about them, I can name quite a few. Uh, this might be the, the best one. Like, as far as just a movie based on a video game, I came out of this going, you know what? This might be the the best, most satisfying one I've seen. Now, we'll get to the dislikes. Now, with that being said, maybe that's not saying much because, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, when you're going up against movies like Doom or, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat uh, 2 or things like that you know it's not like video game movies are uh, of upstanding quality when it comes to that or legend of chun li or the first the street fighter movie so yeah but um but overall i thought that this was reasonably enjoyable um first and foremost i gotta throw my hat to ryan reynolds man his voice work for this character i think ultimately is what elevates this film. He's funny. He's endearing. He, I wouldn't, I would have never thought, especially coming off of something like Deadpool, where Ryan Reynolds plays that character. And that character is like a polar opposite of what Pikachu is and what Pikachu stands for. So I just did not, when I saw the previews and everything, I did not know how this was going to work. But Ryan Reynolds really knocks this out of the park with his voice work and his performance. So he definitely was a joy. I mean, the movie just picks up immediately when Pikachu is introduced and Ryan Reynolds just kind of takes hold of this thing and doesn't let go. So definitely my hat is off to him. Um, and then just the last thing I'll really talk about um, is just the visuals of this. And I'm sure that we'll have a lot to say on this um, as we go through this. But man, dude, I love the visual style of this. I liked how they made all of the Pokemon look. This really gave me like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit feel as far as when I first saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I felt like, man, it is very seamless and almost fluid how these cartoon characters are interacting with their real life counterparts or when Roger Rabbit would kiss Bob Hopkins I would I just loved how how real it seemed like his reactions the way they shot it the way it was animated with Roger Rabbit it all just kind of felt like it was actually happening you know it wasn't so jarring to see the tunes and the real people on the screen. And I really got a sense of that here. I felt like everything meshed. I felt like the, the, the chemistry 
between the actors and how they were portraying things and then what the Pokemon were doing, how they were interacting with the world. I thought all of that was seamless. That never was an issue to me, which is a testament to the film. And one of the reasons why I'm I'm generally positive on this film, uh, just to name a scene that stood out to me, there's a scene where these Bulbasaurs and they're the uh, little turtle looking Pokemon with almost like the onion looking uh, um, piece on top of their back. So that's those that's the character I'm describing for people who are like, what the hell is a Bulbasaur? But a bunch of them are trying to lead uh, Pikachu's hurt and they're trying to lead him and our main character somewhere. And the there's a scene where they're walking through water and there's like this little river of water and each step that the Bulbasaur is taking, you can see the water splashing off of their hooves and you can see like, I mean, it, it's so pristine and it's so just the water is reacting perfectly to their steps. And I was just sitting there in awe going, man, how did they make that look so real? Like, like it really just was mind boggling how, how well and how awesome some of the visuals look. Uh, so those would be the two main things that I'm high on when it comes to this movie. Story wise, it was basic, uh, but nothing offensive, N nothing offensive. Uh, as far as anything too crazy or anything, this is very family and kid oriented as well. So I'm going to say that. So there's not a lot to digest here. There's not some bigger messages and stuff like that. There's not going to be a whole lot of political commentary or anything like that. So it does leave something to be desired if you're an adult. This movie it wasn't going for that balance at all. I think that this was really going for fan service. It was really trying to treat uh, fans of the the series and people who have kind of followed uh, the Pokemon throughout the video games and the animes and stuff like that. So, and there are a few uh, jokes uh, here and there for children, for adults and stuff like that. And Ryan Reynolds does a great job of getting those over as Pikachu. But for the most part, this is super basic. You can see what's happening. You kind of see the ending coming before they actually give it to you. But in the end, it's a heartwarming, uh, heartfelt ending, I thought. Um, so overall, nothing necessarily upset me about this movie, but I didn't walk out also feeling like I had seen something that was a game changer or saw something that, oh man, this, this might shape the future of, if anything, it just shows me that, look, you know, if time is taken and care is given to the project, maybe you can have some video game movies that are, are decent and enjoyable and you get the right casting and things like that. So um, overall, I was totally fine with this movie. And I think that's the best way to describe it for me is fine. I was fine. You know, I took a deep breath. I went to the movies. I it didn't. It was what an hour and forty four minutes, so it's not a lot of time. And I was like, okay. You know, I walked out generally satisfied. So yeah, that's my take on the likes for this film. I was about to be very upset with you, Justin, because you you started one of your sentences about like video game movies of the past, and you said Mortal Kombat, and then you had a long pause before you said two. 
And I was about to get upset because I still have this, as much as I hate nostalgia and everything like that, I still have this soft spot for the first Mortal Kombat movie. And yeah, yeah, I had to stop myself because you're totally right. Like, yeah, the first Mortal Kombat is probably the standard bearer or one of them when you when it comes to this. So, yeah, that movie was good. So make no mistake, guys. Sorry. The first Mortal Kombat, I do like. It's that second one. That fucking yeah. second one. Yeah. I, I, I will say this. To me, Mortal Kombat was King of the Hill with video game movies. And I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it was King of the Hill. It Yeah. <laughs> it was the it was the it was to me, it's seriously the best piece of garbage in, in a pile of garbage. And but I, like I said, I have a soft spot for it. I'll watch it. I'm I enjoy watching it. A lot of it has to do with the soundtrack. I love the fucking Mortal Kombat movie soundtracks and everything like that. But for it being like a early 90s or early like mid 90s video game martial arts film i think it's it's fine for what it was you know you you honestly could have said it's not mortal Kombat and just had to be a martial arts film and it probably would have just been the same and i think that's why i kind of like it uh you know there were some yeah we're, this isn't about the mortal Kombat movie so i won't keep going but um <laughs> I, I i do kind of agree with a lot of your sentiments about it i do think detective pikachu is the best video game out there movie uh, or or video game movie out there and i'm not i don't necessarily feel like it's like a great great movie or anything like that i think it's it's mainly just serviceable but it's still the best video game movie out there like hands down it's the best and i don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing because i'm still waiting for video game movies to end up like comic book movies now like i'm still waiting for that to happen and i was hoping this would be it I really was. I was hoping that this would be the one that shows you can make just a great movie that's a video game that happens to be a video game movie. And unfortunately, it wasn't that for me. And I'm I'm going to talk more about it like I like, but I'm just trying to set up everything with it. Because to me, it was just it was it was more or less just a good movie. Like it was it was a good movie yeah. that happened to be a video game movie. I wanted this to be Iron Man is what I wanted. I wanted this to break that barrier to be like, yeah. and, 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 I, and I know there were more comic book movies before that they were good i mean i'm not you know the both the tim burton batmans i think are great uh, you know the christopher nolan batman movies are great we had great bat or uh, you know great comic book movies before that but i'm just talking about that real sense of that culture changing with it you know because whenever you know you had those movies in the past a lot of comic book movies were hit or miss you know and it's not to say it's not like that now with comic book movies, but for the most part, comic book movies have become a juggernaut of in every sense of the word when it comes to movies. And, you know, I was kind of hoping this would be that for video game movies, something that just sets the bar to a new level that just goes, hey, if you just kind of pay attention for just five fucking seconds, you can make something of quality. And I, I felt like they paid attention for three and a half seconds. They just didn't give me the other <laughs> second and a half to do this. Because like you said, the visuals in this are just utterly fucking stunning to me. This to me was the first time since the original Jurassic Park that I've seen something when it comes to like computer generated creatures and things like that feel as seamless as they do, you know, and I'm not, I'm not to say saying that, you know, trying or trying to trash on like Jurassic World or something like that, because I, I, I do think the visuals in, in that movie are, are fantastic, too. But this one took me like took me aback a little bit because, you know, the first Jurassic Park. Yeah, we had seen dinosaurs in movies in the past, but that was the first time you really felt like you were seeing a dinosaur in a movie. You know, 
up until that point, you could almost argue as far as movies go, dinosaurs, which did exist in our world, were still like a fantastical element. You know, we we've never legitimately seen a dinosaur. So, yeah, to get them actually put on the screen and feel real, that is groundbreaking to me. I mean, it was to everybody. I mean, the fuck is Jurassic Park. But with this, I kind of felt the same way. They took something fantastical in Pokemon and you know, I've seen like fan sketches of things and they were like, what if Pokemon were real? And they're very almost grotesque looking creatures, but they, I mean, they're beautiful, but they're grotesque with kind of how it's like a big lizard thing with plants growing on it and stuff like that. And I really love that this movie didn't do that. It just took the design of the Pokemon and it textured them and it just gave them the things you would see in real life, like fur or scales or, you know, little changes like that where the overall design is still the same, but it's just textured. So then automatically it just feels real. And when they did yes. that in this movie, it, it, it to me it was just mind boggling how beautiful all that looked. I mean, to me, especially going back to what you were saying before with the way that the, the Pokemon interacted with the, the live action characters, when that Lickitung licks Justice Smith's face on the train was just beautiful to me. It's, it's a very fucking yeah. scene. But yeah. it, was, it was beautiful, though, like because it legitimately looked like he was getting fucking licked by the, this you know massive fucking lizard tongue thing and it was so fucking good and you know and like that charizard fuck that charizard looked amazing and you know even the, some of the pokemon i'm less familiar with because my the extent of my pokemon knowledge is kind of more or less anything that was in red and blue like the original 151 pokemon is pretty much the extent of my knowledge of pokemon and so even like those fucking apes with hands for tails, I think they're called palm apes or something. I don't know. Or those fucking like cat ninja things that showed up yeah. later and stuff like that. Greninjas. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever know, the fuck yeah. they're called. Um, they, I mean, they look great. Uh, there was that one in the coffee shop that looks like a cousin it with a duck bill and a sombrero. Um, that yeah. guy looked good. Uh, there's those fucking panda ones. I mean, those looked amazing. There was there was like that co common thread of there's this one Pokemon apparently that sleeps a lot, not a Snorlax, but like it's a big ape thing or something like that. And you could just see those in the background in a lot of shots just to sleep um, like little things like that. They really paid attention to those parts. And I do appreciate that. You know, they really did a good job of appreciating the video game source material. And on top of that, this movie, as far as I know, is technically in canon with some of the anime stuff. Well, because Pokemon, the first movie has Mewtwo being created in a lab. And if I'm thinking right, this is 20 years after that. And they're saying Mewtwo was created in a lab 20 years ago. So I think technically it might fall in canon with the uh, with Pokemon, the first movie, the animated movie. Um, yeah. And I think you are right with some of that. And just really quickly, um, they even alluded to the fact that, hey, you know, these the, the, we used to have these Pokemon battles with these creatures and stuff like that. So they really tried to give you a sense that all that stuff that you know about, that's already happened. And now we're kind of in a different situation for this film, or at least we have moved forward in the future. And now here is this film and this is what's happening now. And people are living amongst Pokemon because of the influence of these people and et cetera, and et cetera. So they did a good job of not changing the canon, like you said, making it a part of the story, but just saying, hey, that's already happened. And to us, 
to fans, that's what it feels like. We've already played those games. We've already seen those movies. So it feels like past events. So they kind of made it past events in this, at which I think helped make it feel more organic as far as the story is concerned. Yeah. And, and also one of the things I really loved is I appreciated how they kind of introduced you to Pokemon in this world with, uh, to me, what was a great scene with uh, Justice Smith's character and that Cubone in that field. Like, I thought that was a great way to introduce kind of the interactions and the just kind of the way this world is, you know, I just it, it, it felt right. And it also felt like what it would kind of be to if you're like the whole thing is you're supposed to just go out and find a Pokemon or something like that. And, you know, you come across this thing and, you know, you have to walk in a field and find it. And if it doesn't go your the right way, there might be ramifications depending on what kind of Pokemon it is, like kind of elevating yeah. that sense of danger with it and stuff like that that would be present in something like that. And I, I did really appreciate how they set that part of it up and everything like that. Yeah. And, and like the little callbacks to the, the first game where there was a, a Snorlax just asleep in the middle of the street. And so they were having to divert traffic around it is very much along the lines of that Snorlax blocking the road in the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just like a little callback, you know, something like that. It just kind of shows that that's what these characters do and stuff like that, or these creatures do. I really, I really just appreciated a lot of the aspects they did from the game and, and how they tied it into that world. You know, I think, I think they really fell off the rails, like very much in the third act. And that's where a lot of my problems come with this, because up until that point, I thought it was a very good integration of the video games. And I thought it was a very good kid level detective story. Yeah. And yeah. And this is why I felt like they fell off the rails and I'll go ahead and go into dislikes with this part is just that third act instantly just becomes a gigantic fucking convoluted mess in a fucking heartbeat. Like, dear God, like it wasn't even <laughs> like it went like to an adult level story or something like that. It just that ending. It, it Yes, it's fairly simple. But at the same time, if this really is a kid's movie, why the fuck did you go that like off the rails? Like, I mean, it's fairly simple to follow. I don't necessarily understand all the character motivations with it, but I'm like, what kid's actually going to understand what the fuck just happened? Yes, I can definitely understand that. You're, you're right. I, I mean, simple. You're right. Well, I said simple. And now that you say that, when I'm trying to think of would a child have understood what was happening, I, I could definitely see some child, some children having problems with that third act. I can see that now because there's a lot of flip flopping and oh, uh, but but he was really a fake and he was actually ditto. And then, oh, it was actually this. And oh, well, no, actually, he's your father. So, it, it, yeah, there was a lot of flip flopping and switching and stuff that kind of happened in that third act. And none of that got a chance to breathe because they just have to give you all the answers right at the end. So, yeah, I get that. I mean, I, I thought totally get I thought it had great, pass- uh, great pacing for like a thriller detective story. Until, like I said, it just went off the rails at the end. And the ending didn't justify the movie they had set up, too, because, like I said, it's a detective movie. And then all of a sudden, it stopped being a whodunit, and it just became a Pokemon brawl. Like, (laughs) just so fast. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you just did a disservice to all the work you did for making a detective movie. Like, I get that you need, like, that penultimate battle or something. You need that, you know, you need that lead up to a final fight. It's a video game movie. I 100% understand that. But it didn't even feel like they got to go, you know, do the whole like Scooby-Doo. It's you. And then they had a battle like it was just a 
all of a sudden all the pieces just fell apart and it's just bam it's this and yeah and i think another missed opportunity was why didn't that feel more like a pokemon battle that we're used to i think it would have been sort of cool and i don't know how you get to this but i think it would have been sort of cool if there was a group of pokemon that justice smith's character had and there and then the other guy maybe he he was controlling some of them and you kind of just have this battle and their strategy and there's like man what should i do or and ryan reynolds is trying to tell him um as pikachu different things to do and i think maybe that should have felt more like a pokemon battle from the game and that would have been badass i don't know exactly how you formulate the pieces to get there but I feel like there was an opportunity missed there, don't you? Don't you think you would have appreciated that more if it was more like the battles in the games? I don't know exactly how you do it. I mean, I'd have to think about it some more, but I wanted that to feel more like what I've played and what I've seen. And that would have been so damn cool. Him strategizing, going, man, okay, I use this. And sometimes there were glimpses of it. Like whenever he was in the Charizard fight and he was like, Pikachu, your whatever he called it, I'm just going to call it the Pika charge. Um, your, your Pika charge, man, that's your strongest move. You have to go for that. You have to use that. That was the first time they sort of used some of that Pokemon battle uh, battle terminology in the in the movie, but dude, I think at the end, if somehow that could have been done, I would have appreciated it more, and it would have felt more like something Pokemon, and it would have felt different because the way they had it is kind of like you said, there were all these cliches and just a huge big brawl, explosions, and then we have a resolution. That's kind of what we got, but I think a more Pokemon themed battle would have made that feel so fresh and different, you know? Oh, no, I totally agree with you. But the one thing I'll say that they kind of did at the end that does work in that realm of what you were saying was the fact that whenever the Ryan Reynolds Pikachu was trying to figure out how to stop Mew and Mew was kind of or Mewtwo was coming at them, he was talking about the it's like Thunder Tackle or something like that. He was like, oh, he said that was my strongest move. I need to do that now. So there was that small element of it. Yeah. It was, okay, it was true, a callback true. to that battle scene. So I did appreciate that. The fact that they did do that slight callback to, oh, essentially a trainer telling a Pokemon a move type of thing. Um, but yeah, also on top of that, like to me, parts of it that made no sense is the fact that they have Mewtwo, this like essentially all powerful psychic Pokemon that essentially Bill Knightley's character can just throw a helmet on and all of a sudden, bam, he is in charge of Mewtwo. And like, yeah. Why couldn't they do the same thing that they did with everybody else with, you know, making all the Pokemon combined with their humans and all this other stuff? Why couldn't they do like, why couldn't Bill Nighley's character do that with Mewtwo? Why did it have to hinge on that whole helmet thing? Because with his body being separate from everything, technically his body could ultimately die. And then his connection to Mewtwo would be lost anyway. So that really doesn't solve the problem. I see. Yeah. Yeah. You got a point with that. Definitely. You know, and I, I do like the fact that they kind of did add to some of the elements of Mewtwo being able to one that can ultimately combine people and Pokemon and stuff like that. And well, it was kind of weird to me that essentially Mewtwo is powerful enough to get rid of the physical body of the human. That was weird to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, for it being a kid's movie, I guess that part of it makes sense. You know, 
you're not delving into getting rid of consciousnesses and you know removing the conscious soul of a person and putting it in a Pokemon type of situation. So I guess part of that makes sense to me. But it was just a little weird that they kind of went half and half with it. And it wasn't even half and half. His one character didn't, but it was the one character responsible for everything. I was like, his pa- his plan's incredibly flawed because if he really is have that uh, does have this like terminal illness, he could still die in a week and then his connection to Mewtwo is lost anyway. True. True. How would that keep him alive? Yeah. How would that preserve his life? And you're right. That was never really explained because you're just connected by hardware. You're not, it's not like your body lives inside of the, the Mewtwo. So yeah, I totally get that. And it was never explained. He was never like, this is how I can live forever or anything like it wasn't quite explained that way so yeah you you're totally right like you just get the sense well the guy in five or six years he just dies and then Mewtwo's like uh what the hell happened and flies away somewhere (laughs) yeah you know you do kind of get the sense that could totally happen but based on what we were given and why couldn't just anybody go like take that 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 helmet thing off of him put it on themselves control Mewtwo undo everything like it'd be really that easy like yeah, I understand that he, he had he had the ditto protecting him and stuff, but at the same time, I'm like, also, what the fuck was the deal with that ditto? Like, ditto was kind of always a joke Pokemon, and holy fuck, they made ditto one of the most badass Pokemon in the history of Pokemon in this movie. Yeah, probably because for storytelling purposes and for the big switch and reveals and stuff like that, that that was just the perfect character to use probably for oh, this no. story. I, and I get that, but fuck, they made that motherfucker Shang Tsung to do another video game reference because he could turn yeah. <laughs> into anybody he wanted at any given point. Nice Mortal Kombat reference there. But yes, you're totally right. Like Ditto. And I, and, and even you're right, because even watching it, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. But I don't ever remember Ditto being this formidable. Like, I, I totally get where you're coming from with that. I mean, and I get it because it's video games versus movies type of situation where in a, a video game, you can't have the like super all all powerful ditto being able to change into any Pokemon he wants. He would have to change and, you know, he can only change into what he's fighting situation. I get that. But at the same time, also in this movie with the logic there, why wouldn't ditto just become a Mewtwo? True. <laughs> True. Why couldn't he just become him? Yeah. I would have had a ditto become a Mewtwo and then bam, you don't need that other Mewtwo. You've got a Mewtwo right there in front of you. And also, I'll say this, and this gets really deep into Pokemon lore. So in that battle scene with Charizard and Pikachu, Justice Smith's character runs in to save his Pikachu. And he's like stomping on the tail of the Charizard. Now, if you're not really deep into Pokemon lore, what you don't realize is happening there is Justice Smith is trying to kill that Charizard. Because the the Charmanders, the Charmeleons, and the Charizards, if that flame on the end of their tail goes out, they die. And... Oh, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. So when he's trying to stomp on the tail of that Charizard and put that flame out, he's trying to murder that creature, like not make him faint, anything like that. He's straight up trying to murder him. And you would know he knows that because, I mean, look at how he was as a kid, you know, like he knew all the Pokemon shit as a car as a as a kid, you know. And he tried to murder him. I'm like, damn, that is fucked up when I was watching that. I was like, he's stomping on that tail. He's trying to kill that Charizard. That's fucked. <laughs> yeah, you, you're totally right on that. He was he was going for the kill there. Totally. Because, I mean, yeah, even yeah. 
even if it was just a distraction or something like that, what if he accidentally stomped that fire out then? Then his distraction more or less became manslaughter. I mean, that was, I did not appreciate that. I was like, damn, dude, that majestic creature. I mean, I get it. They're just Pokemon to him. But that was a majestic, majestic creature. Now, on top of that, though, too, I do wonder, like, about the ramifications, like, moving forward with this, something like this movie, because of Avengers Endgame very much got me focusing on ramifications in, in a universe. And, like, what, like, what ramifications also come from the fact that all these people were in their Pokemon for a little bit? Like, do the Pokemon remember that? Do the people remember it? Do, you know... Like, is there now like a new like formed bond between people and their Pokemon now? Because they were like, oh, fuck, I was you for a little bit, bro. Like, I mean, there's so many things that that could like really change how this world even interacts with the, the, the people within its own world. All because of that weird ass fucking plan he had. All he did was affect the city. That doesn't ultimately affect the, the world as a whole either. I don't know. And just the villain's plans made no sense to me in the end. Yeah, I don't know ultimately what the merging necessarily uh, accomplished for him. I'm not entirely sure how that betters the situation that he had. You already had them living together. You already had kind of this, this harmony. I get that he was trying to enhance himself and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't see how that merging helped anybody unless it was just one of the and maybe maybe the idea was that he was just a mad almost like a mad scientist he just wanted to be a pokemon he just wanted so much it wasn't even so much living in harmony with them he just wanted to be them he saw them as superior he saw them as oh man they are the greatest uh beings and i just want I want so much to be a part of that. I want so much to be that. They're amazing. They're special. I'm just a regular ass human being. And maybe that was more of what it was. He just was so obsessed with it. So if I make everybody that way, it's normal. And this is all me reaching because the film didn't really give us this. I'm just trying to put two and two together and make it make sense. But other than that, what political reasons or what? social reasons or what i mean what other reasons could there have been i don't really see any other ones no exactly because like i mean i get that he wants to be a pokemon and all this other stuff and he's created this town rhyme city that you know really embodies the whole human and pokemon dichotomy of harmony and stuff like that and like why wouldn't that be good enough like i understand he wants to be a pokemon and all this other stuff but that town pretty much already had harmony you know? Yeah, yeah there, yeah, there were under there were underground Pokemon fights and stuff like that. But I mean, we already have boxing matches. So if you merge people and humans to or people and Pokemon together, you're still going to have Pokemon battles. It'll just be Pokemon fighting each other with no trainer because they're they have people inside them. And, you know, it, cre- it just creates this weird thing because like, you know, the rest of the world. I mean, my understanding of it was the rest of the world. They actually still had Pokemon battles. It was just Grimes or Rhyme City that didn't because that's how he built that city was to be, you know, just a, a a harmony, like a haven for Pokemon and humans together. So like theoretically, that city that Justice Smith's character was at in the beginning could still have Pokemon battles and stuff like that, which, yep. you know, the, 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 the ethicalness behind all that and the morality behind all that, that's a whole other story. But 
you know, at least in that city, they were all living in harmony. I just, I don't see how that makes things better because I'm not going to lie. Like I wouldn't necessarily trust like a, a Pikachu to be my plumber, you know, like you would still need people to make a city work. Yeah. What about pressing buttons or driving cars or anything like that? Only a select few of them would be able to do that. So if you're a person who becomes a mime, but you were a business executive, how does that work? (laughs) And also, let's touch on that Mr. Mime segment real quick. Well, it was probably one of the funnier scenes in that movie, and I really did like it. Ultimately, did they end up psychologically killing that mime with the whole flame thing? I mean, they kind of did, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did. Did, did, did they mimic killing him? Like, kill him? And, like, if so, if not, like, honestly, I think he'd be a great villain for a second one. Where that Mr. Mime comes back and he's, like, slightly disfigured because of a fake fire. <laughs> and he's just wanting to take them out now. I think that'd be great. Like Detective Pikachu to Revenge of Mr. Mime. (laughs) That would be hilarious. That would be that would be great. And yeah, that that scene, that scene was just gold. I mean, I I forgot to mention it, but now that you bring it up. Yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes of the movie. And the funny thing about it is that you saw some of it in the previews. There's quite a bit of it they show in the previews but honestly getting the entire scene it was still a joy like i i I really enjoyed that scene and the parts that you didn't get to see that weren't in the previews it still makes for an enjoyable scene because normally with stuff like that you're like okay i know what the joke is always gonna crash and stuff like that but the interrogation is where they really i thought nailed it and so i really appreciated that scene And that really was a callback to like the old film noir days and stuff like that. And I do like the fact that also his dad had the movie playing that was essentially the fake detective movie from Home Alone. Um, Yes, yes. Which I I, I thought that was great. It's it's a weird callback because they're calling back to a franchise that has nothing to do with this movie whatsoever. But it was still a nice callback for whatever reason. When I saw that, I was like, (laughs) you filthy animals. Like it's. It weirdly just was a nice scene for me. And I and I don't know why. Like, I'm very I'm kind of upset with myself that I enjoyed that scene so much because, like I said, it calls back to a franchise completely unrelated like that. That detective or the that film noir is it's it's for the Home Alone universe. It has nothing to do with Pokemon whatsoever. I mean, maybe the film studio happens to own the rights to that. So they just did it. I don't know. But It was just one of those weird things that I'm like, I don't know why they're calling back to that. It makes zero sense to me, but fuck, I liked it. Yeah, I was the same way. I got it immediately. And I think even in my head, I said, I thought the same thing. Keep the change. You filthy animals. Like, but it would be like you said, like it was, I got it right away. I knew exactly what that was. I knew exactly what that movie was. And yeah, now that you mentioned it, I don't know how that helped anything, but, but I know I got it. So we must not have been the only ones. That's they were two for two on this podcast. We both got it. So who knows? I guess others enjoyed it too, or maybe that was one of those kind of things shoehorned in for adults. Like maybe they knew a lot of adults because Home Alone is a pretty that that first one. Yeah, let me not misspeak. <laughs> that the first Home Alone is you know th- that's a favorite among that's like one of those America favorite 
kind of hey. iconic movies and stuff like that. So whoa, 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 uh, maybe they whoa. thought we would get it. Justin, are you saying, are you distancing yourself from Home Alone 2? Man, I didn't like it as much, dude. I don't, oh my God. I mean, I are we going to have to have a podcast about this? Are we going to have to have a we podcast? Will. Yes. Yes. Because okay. I will argue, I will argue that the second one's better because really truly yes and i will and i argue that solely based on the fact that pretty much every one of the adult quote-unquote villains for the most part of the movie with the exception of the wet bandits or sticky bandits or whatever the fuck they're calling themselves in whatever movie all the other adults that were quote-unquote villains in this movie were 100 percent right that kid was committing credit card fraud he was stealing he was doing all these terrible things and they were 100 percent within the right to question him on those things and they were made to look like the bad guys and i think that that adds a very big nuance to things whenever it comes from a kid's point of view to an adult's point of view of like while the kid was wrong since it's through the kid's point of view he views these adults who are legitimately doing the right and legal thing and he views them as ultimately the bad guys and i think that adds a weird dynamic two things when it comes to the relationships between kids and adults that where there is sometimes that disconnect with things, even whenever it comes to like parents and their children, you know, the kids are always like, why don't you let me just do whatever I want and all this other stuff. It adds a very interesting dynamic to things. And that is something that that movie had that the first one did not. I can agree with some of that, but the the way I felt (laughs) when I watched the second movie is how does this happen twice? Like these parents are fucking idiots. Like, how does this happen a second time? And I just, did something happen, Justin? Justin. Oh, sorry. I am so sorry. I was on. I was still on mute. I clicked it, but I guess I missed it, man. And so I, I was really, really talking and I was still on mute. You were talking, but you hit mute while talking. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. I guess I just hit it on accident. <laughs> My bad. Okay. Yeah. I was what? just like, damn, what happened? My bad. I was really just in it, just talking a lot. And when you were going, you were like, man, I really liked the first one because these, you know, the parents were stupid. And how does this happen a second time? And then, and then it just went away. Oh, <laughs> I was okay. like, oh, fuck, what happened? Oh, okay. No, that's okay. fine. Oops. But all I was saying was, sorry, Cine fans, uh, I'm screwing up. But it's because I got this wicked setup now. You know, I've got a mixer, I've got a mic, I've got all this stuff, and yeah, I'm having some growing pains, so bear with me. But I'm going to handle my challenges like a superhero, like Detective Pikachu. So, Pika Pika, let's keep going. All right, so back to Home Alone 2. (laughs) You know you love me. All right, Home Alone 2. Uh, I just, uh, the the way I, and, and I'm trying to remember specific events. And it's a little murky. So if we do this, I'm definitely going to go back and watch them back to back. Um, and I better not oh, agree we, with you coming out of that. But we will we I, will watch them back to back and do this. Okay. Okay. And the way I don't felt, go too crazy. Don't go too crazy with your point because we're going to have a whole episode dedicated to Home Alone versus Home Alone Two. Okay. Fine. The on, the only thing I'll say, and, and this is just my me thinking about my initial reaction watching it. Um, and I don't know who knows. I probably liked them when I was younger. I probably liked them both when I was younger, but I know that I revisited them years ago 
And the one thing that stood out to me was I was just, I just couldn't get past the parents. I was like, you should be more cautious this time. There, there should have been more precautions taken. You should have been, um, anti- you know, anticipated this a little bit more. And I just remember feeling like, okay, y'all are stupid for letting this happen the second time. This was just dumb to me the second time. And I remember just not being able to get past that on a revisit. But 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 like I said, I could be I'm trying to remember events and I can't quite remember how they lost him this second time. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to have to do this one versus two. Uh, we're we're going to have to have this because now I'm like, I'm like, damn, I, I, I wish I could bring up some specific shit. So, yeah, we're going to have to do this. But anyway, back to Pokemon. I mean, it's. For the most part, until that third act, I really did think it was a it was a really good film. I I really like Justin Smith as or Justice Smith as the um as the lead in this movie. I thought he did a really good job um as that character, and you know I thought Ryan Reynolds was great as a complimentary character to that, especially as the voice of Pikachu, and then later on as the dad. I thought he was great uh, in that element of it too. Like you said, I was really surprised by Bill Nighy being in this movie. I. I I hadn't looked at the cast. And so then all of a sudden when Bill Niley was in it, I was like, holy fuck, that's Bill fucking Niley. Um, which that kind of that I was like, wow, I was not expecting that. Um, but it's I think overall, like I said, it's it was a fine movie. It really kind of um fell off, especially in the third act, I thought until then. They just there was there's just a big disconnect. It 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 goes from being a detective story to a Pokemon action movie. From between the second and third acts and it just neither one of them matched uh, meshed up with each other you know the the story that the the first two acts gave us didn't mesh with the third and vice versa the third you know it, there was nothing that justified having that type of ending to it you know so i do wish they had done something to kind of really really blend those together and also i'm tired and i and i will say this i know justin brought it up that he liked the fact that there was some adult stuff and there was some kids stuff and stuff like that i really do think a lot of these movies need to all these directors of these movies that are going to be like this they need to go watch paddington bear 2 and then they'll learn that you can make a family movie that has jokes that just work no matter how like what level you are you don't have to be an adult to understand some jokes you don't have to be a kid to get some jokes you just get to have jokes and they will hit more often than not across the broad spectrum of things and if you've never seen Paddington 2 I know I've brought this movie up several times on this podcast I really do think that that is the gold standard of doing movies like this where it is a, a kid movie well I don't want to say a kid movie it's a family movie it's meant to be watched as families and stuff like that and so it does have jokes that hit across the board. And I I think that's the better way to do that because the you, you just don't get weirdness with it. You don't get that, you know, those weird jokes that only adults get. You're like, that feels weird in a kid's movie and, and, and vice versa. You don't have jokes that are just all kid friendly that adults are sitting there bored out of their fucking minds. So I really do think they need to watch something like that so they can really get that you can do both at the same time and you're not being you're not providing a disservice to either kids or adults while doing it. I totally get that. And there, there's definitely some merit to that. And sometimes when you, th- th- that's a delicate balance and it's a very thin line, I think. And sometimes it feels forced, like it's so blatant that it feels too forced. 
and it doesn't feel organic in the film. And I don't know if it was more or less Ryan Reynolds voice work or just how well everything meshed together. But when it happened, when, when things like that happened, I didn't feel so much like anything was forced or if I did, maybe not forced enough to where it annoyed me, nothing eye rolling. But, you know, th there were those obvious things like, oh, I'm inviting another human into my apartment. I promise I'm really not this type of Pokemon like, you know, the, 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 the stuff like that sometimes can feel, you know, I chuckled. But at the same time, what are you trying to say with that? Are you saying that? I mean, you're basically saying that there are Pokemon who <laughs> who have sex on the first date or I don't like it was just kind of a, you know, it was to make adults laugh. But within the context, you're kind of like, OK, that doesn't even really these are animals like that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, you yeah, know, that's, that's so, very yeah. Yeah. So the, the so beyond just getting the adults to chuckle, that joke is not very clever when you consider the context. So, yeah, you're definitely right. There is some merit with something like Paddington where it can be funny, but it's just funny because it's funny to anybody. Anybody from a kid to adult can interpret that and go, ha, I get that. And yeah, you're right. There's something a little more endearing when it's like that, when you when you compare context of jokes like that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just very weird to me. And I just really wish a lot because to me, I call it the Shrek to uh, the Shrek effect, because I up until recently, that's the biggest one I've I've noticed that does that like very, very hardcore. And a lot of DreamWorks movies ended up spinning off from that, doing the same thing. I'm not even going to get into how just fucked up Madagascar was in all levels when it comes to that. But yeah, it, it is to me, it really all stems back to that because it's the first example I really feel of doing stuff like that, where it's just adult jokes, kid jokes, adult jokes, kid jokes, and just back and forth. It was very like form. Uh, I had a really big formula with it where it just felt like they were just going in beats of kid joke, kid joke, adult joke and, and stuff like that. And they were just very jarring, you know, when they're making like dick sized jokes in Shrek 2 and stuff like that. And then like they're doing stuff like that in this, like you said, like the like, oh, like a whole promiscuity joke or like that weird joke about um like, oh, I can't do it when other people are watching type of situation. And you're just like, well, well, that's not as exactly jarring as a weird pokemon sex joke it still felt a little weird like i understand like kids like probably laughed at that but are they really getting like the big the bigger joke with it or are they literally seeing it 100 on face value when he's like oh i can't use my electrical powers because people are watching type of situation you know and it's yeah. just very weird for stuff like that but i mean so at this point justin what's your score and your recommendation for this here detective pikachu all right score and recommendation so i think i'm going to go with 61 pika 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 pikachu yells as he is trying to do something about mewtwo that is trying to relentlessly kill him out of a hundred so 
with this film, the thing is, is, is just, I feel like I, just to echo kind of what I said earlier, that this film is fun and it's reasonable. And for, for the most part, I, I was generally satisfied with this. Um, as Sterling said, is this a game changer? No, not necessarily not. This is definitely not the Iron Man of, of, uh, movies based on video games it's definitely not that i think and 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 i think we totally nailed it here with the third act like there's just a lot left to be desired but the first two acts i do think and, and the and the movie premise and story overall i do feel that it does lay some pieces in place on the potential that a video game movie has it lays some pieces maybe even close to what is a foundation, but we're just not quite there yet. But just some of the things they did, not omitting the source material, but finding a way to make the source material part of the the lore. Meanwhile, changing the story enough so that you feel like you've got an original story, an original take on the story. Getting a superstar actor to really help with this project. To, to voice for some of the characters, to, to bring his or her wit to the delivery of the lines and things like that definitely helps. It definitely helped to have an appealing acting presence in this film. And then, uh, like you said, Justice Smith also did a, a, a great job and, you know, we have to be sad at some points. He had to be emotional at some points and then he had to be the good friend and then he had to be angry. You know, he had to convey a lot here. There was a lot on his shoulders in this film. And for the most part, he handled that well. And, and, and the other actors, too. So, yeah, what 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 is what the problem with this movie is that, you know, they're just like we said, the third act gets a little jumbled. I do think, yeah, when you, after you said that, Sterling, I agree. It is a little bit more difficult for children to follow. And then there were just some cliches, man. The person who seems like a good guy, but actually he's concocting this plan. You know, we've seen that kind of stuff before. And you can kind of see where this movie is going immediately and it loses its pacing. So for that, I can't, it's not a great movie, but it, 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 but it was fine. It was decent. It's a good movie. If you're a fan of the Pokemon series and stuff like that, I can say I enjoyed my experience. And another big point about this film that I definitely want to make is just uh, the overall experience of uh, going to this film and, and what they tried to do to really give you that video game, that Pokemon uh, card collector feel. And, and and so one of the things I appreciated was that, you know, I went up to the theater and I totally wasn't expecting it. I hadn't seen any um anything online about this or, you know, read anything about this. So this was totally unexpected. It was just kind of a pleasant surprise. So it was neat. But I got there, you know, I get to the doorman, they tear my tickets, and then all of a sudden he hands me a pack of Pokemon cards. And I was like, oh, I, oh, it comes with these? He was like, yeah, everybody that watches this movie gets them. And I was like, okay, cool. And that was kind of neat. And I had went with some buddies of mine and we opened each other's, you know, we are, we're opening our packages and then we're like, which ones did you get? Which ones did you get? And I was kind of mad because he got a Greninja and I wanted a Greninja, but 
it was cool. I got a Pikachu, I guess, and a Psyduck. And Psyduck's kind of cool, I guess. But I thought that that was neat because that's part of the Pokemon experience a very integral part of it you uh, uh, i know i used to know serious card collectors who would collect the cards and different things like that and oh what do you have oh what do you have well this card you can you can activate this or on your fifth turn this card has this ability xyz so i thought that that was kind of cool how they included that and that and that definitely added uh to the experience because that's something that you get from pokemon that you that you can't get from anything else so i also gave the film a couple of points for that because i thought that was cool i was like all right that really added to my experience and we spoke a little er bit earlier about how this may not be like the Iron Man as far as video game movies is concerned. This may not be the ultimate trendsetter in in developing a formula for video game movies that are going to be successful. But it definitely laid down some pieces. It definitely maybe even had a few parts of a blueprint that could be used. And that, given those cards out, kind of taking some of that video game Pokemon experience and adding it to the film experience was definitely a step in the right direction, I thought. So overall, like we said, I enjoyed the film. I would recommend this to people, especially if you've got a family. Your kids are really going to love this. And if you were a fan of the Pokemon games, video games, the cards, the animes growing up, oh, you're definitely going to want to see this because you're going to recognize different ones. You're going to be happy to see certain ones. And even if you don't remember all their names, it's going to make you happy to see them. And it, I, I think that that definitely all adds up to a very reasonable, worthwhile experience. Yeah, I would. For me, I would say I would recommend this movie if you have kids or if you're bored or if you kind of hate yourself a little bit that day. <laughs> and you want to torture yourself just a little bit because like I said, the visuals are just utterly spectacular and you know, whoever did the, the visual effects for this movie, um, they should be very proud of themselves. And I think on that note, yeah, it's worth watching. But I mean, as far as the story goes, man, is it rough? Like I said, it's the beginning is two thirds, you know, detective movie and the last third is an action, like, pokemon action movie you know it's just they never fit with each other and you know it, it and it'd probably be different if they did do like if they just made it like a pokemon action movie then that end would justify you know everything that led up to it or if you know they just did a different ending it would probably justify everything they did in the first two thirds it's just they don't ever truly interlink with each other but i mean when it comes down to a lot of it though it's it can be worth a watch i mean like I said, if, you know, the visual effects alone kind of make it worth watching and you can kind of put it on mute and just, I don't know, listen to YouTube shit or listen to this podcast instead while this movie goes on and just look at it. That's fine. I mean, because also it's, you you know, you really can't trust Justin's opinion with this just for the sheer fact that he said that Psyduck's kind of cool when no one in the history of fucking ever has ever said Psyduck is kind of cool. So, I mean, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But I mean, when I look at this and I, I, it's time to give it a score and everything like that, I would probably give this 
a 60 lickitung licks to the face out of 100 it's it's not terrible it's just not really it's just it's it's okay it's good it's it works it's technically just the bottom edge of passing and i mean and and honestly like 50 of those points are for the visuals alone and then that other 10 percent is just for the other shit that's in the movie that's okay you know like some of the jokes and and justin smith's or justice smith's performance but other than that you know if you don't really care then yeah don't watch it it's an, it's not going to change your world either way so do with it as you will any last thoughts on Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Justin. Um, well, if anything, and I didn't even so much a comment more than a question. How successful has this movie been at the box office? How is it doing? Um, I know it's not doing spectacular or anything, but it, it, is it doing a respectable number? Do you know by any chance? I, I do know that in, in its first weekend, it made uh, it was second place to Avengers. It did not beat Avengers. It was second place to that. Um, as far as what it's grossed so far overall, it's grossed about 290 million worldwide. 94 of that's in the U.S. Uh, it has a production budget of about 150 million. So rule of thumb means it needs 300 million to be profitable. So it's 10 million away, nine and a half million away from being considered, you know, on the precipice of profitable. So if it makes 10 million, it made it, it'll, it'll have the profit of half a million at that point. So it, it, it'll make its money. It'll be considered visual or visually it'll be considered financially viable next week okay so so then yeah because sometimes even if the film itself as we talked about the quality may not be something where you go oh man this is a formula that you can take and pump out a bunch of other video game movies but this was a film that i am rooting for to be successful because i feel like oh if pokemon is successful and look what we were able to do well then maybe we'll get some more stuff like this and i know we got a sonic coming out which is running into all sorts of uh complaints. Oh, sonic's gonna be just a piece of fucking yeah pile of i shit. know i know and that's what i feel like is gonna ruin it like i feel like if this came out and it did okay decent critic score but it did fairly well at the box office you could maybe justify it and go, oh, okay, well, let's look at some other video game characters and see what we could do. But I feel like, man, Sonic, and this was a, a, a this had a good, a, a decent run. And like you said, it's very close to making what they're going to define as profit. And it'll, and it'll have a little bit more, and it's still got a little bit more of a shelf life left here this summer. And it'll hang around and it'll make a little bit more than it's, uh, than that profit they were probably looking at. But, then Sonic's going to come out and I really feel like Sonic's going to shit the bed. And if Sonic and the thing about it is that Sonic the Hedgehog is like, it's funny that we're just now talking about Sonic, but I feel like this is all connected. Like Sonic the Hedgehog is like one of the most iconic video game characters. If his movie shits the bed, then damn, man, who's going to be brave enough to pump out anything else about video games? Well, you, they do have another Super Mario Brothers movie coming out. That is confirmed. They are doing one. Um, oh, and I thought that you, was a rumor. Okay. Nope. They are officially doing another Super uh, Mario Brothers. And as of this last week, they are for sure going to start filming a live action Mortal Kombat movie in Australia starting next year. Oh, okay. So then we already are going to get some more video game movies. Okay. 
well, man, I'm kind of, man, maybe that Mortal Kombat can be something. I wonder who's going to direct and depending on the actors, you got a lot of good martial artists right now that are uh, film martial artists that are doing movies and stuff. If you can get some of them on that, man, dude, you might have something. I know James Wan uh, is producing it. Okay. Um, That's a start. He's not directing it, but he's producing it. So I think it's got a shot. I mean, James Wan's a respectable name. I, I like James Wan for the most part. I mean, so it, it, it's got a shot. Um, the thing is, Justin, is they're going to make video game movies until it until the end of time because they all think that it's going to end up being the next comic book movies. Because, I mean, video games are a billion dollar industry. All you have to do is they just have to get over that hump that I mean, comic book movies were the same way for a long time, though, too. You know, I mean, it, it, it really is just a matter of time until they find something that works, you know. So, I mean, it's yeah, you got a point. And, and, and then now that I think about it, would you consider like Angry Birds? Because there is going to be an Angry Birds, too. Right. I mean, that's that's a video game, right? Like a phone computer game it's it's a video game movie but it's still not good oh of course not but it's on its second movie so yeah you're right maybe i just have been missing some of the signs but they've always been there you know i'm just video game movies video game movies will always make money though because there is an inherent fan base i mean fuck look at warcraft and we do have an idea for a podcast episode where we will go into a deep dive into the financials of that fucking cesspool of a fucking film. But it really is just something like that. I mean, uh, what, what was it? I mean, Warcraft made hundreds and hundreds of million dollars worldwide. It made $47 million in the U.S. only, you know? Yeah. I mean, fuck, John Wick 3 did more of that in a weekend than the entire domestic run of Warcraft. <laughs> But it is considered a financial success because, dear God, did the Asian markets eat that fucking movie up. And so it's one of those things that video game movies, because of video game culture, they'll make money because everybody that plays a video game wants that video game movie to be good. They always want that movie to be good. So, I mean, except for Sonic, because who gives a fuck? Like, obviously, the studio didn't. So, like, why are the fans going (laughs) to give a fuck about that movie? Um. But I mean, it's it's just a matter of time. It really is. We're going to end up getting something down the road. I say that the video game industry as a whole needs to like join together and do like a Spider-Man into the Spider-Man or into the Spider-Verse version and essentially just do Smash Brothers. Like Nintendo needs to get all their characters. They need to get the license to Snake and all this other shit and just say, fuck it and do Smash Brothers. Dude, like style of into the Spider-Verse. Make it animated, just 100% animated, make it unique, and have them fucking go. Man, I am so surprised that that hasn't happened yet because, and the funny thing is, is that they know that that can work because you you already have the Marvel versus Capcom series, but imagine Marvel versus Nintendo, and it'd be like you said, like that Smash Brothers game where you could have all of those characters in the game. And if you give it a familiar formula, whether it be 
Um, well, you couldn't do Capcom because Capcom wouldn't be involved, or maybe they would. You, you know, Ryu and Ken could come as guests or whatever. But if you make it like you said, give it that Smash Brothers formula, uh, some gameplay that the fans are already used to. And dude, if you did a Marvel versus Nintendo, I mean, who wouldn't buy that shit? Who wouldn't? Like, that would be the craziest crossover like ever dude like that th- that would just be the 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 craziest crossover ever like i could already see promotional videos for that shit like captain america throws his shield and then all of a sudden when he goes to get it back it's mario's cap and then mario has his shield and shit like you could just do i mean I, you could uh, you could already just see like all the promotional stuff that they could do for it like that's like a great idea that I'm surprised hasn't happened yet. It may be easier to happen now that it's all a part of Disney and everything, which means uh, you you might even be able to do like Disney versus Nintendo and have like Mickey in it and shit. I mean, you, why couldn't you, you know? Well, there's a very, very distinct reason for that. And that's because Nintendo got bit in the ass whenever they did the original Super Mario Brothers movie. They are very hesitant to do video game stuff. And the thing is, is technically Detective Pikachu has nothing to do with Nintendo. Nintendo just publishes the movie or publishes the games. Technically, it's the Pokemon company that's doing something with their property. So Nintendo's gun shy about movies. And it's all because Mario Brothers bit them in the ass. It really depends on how their next Mario Brothers movie goes. You know, I guess that's true. Yeah, but and, and do you think that with these video game movies, especially something like Mario, because I could see that kind of mirroring Warcraft, I'm sure domestically it'll do better than Warcraft here. Well, actually, that depends on what the first impressions are, but uh, I, I imagine because it's Mario, he would do better than something like Warcraft. But I see kind of a mirrored situation where most of the money for that is probably going to be made overseas. That's just what I th- would think, you know. It really, it just really depends on how the movie is. You know, if it's even just a somewhat decent movie, it'll be fine. It'll make at least 100, 200 million here. But it, it's just got to be at least a decent movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree totally. And so it, it it's really hard to judge that, you know, it's because you're going to have a lot of people that are going to be skeptical, skeptical of it, skeptical. Yeah, skeptical of it because of the first movie, you know, so it really just really they have to if they're going to do this, they need to do it right. Because the last time Nintendo did this, they more or less just let they licensed off their property and let some other people do some shit with it. You know, and that's just what you cannot do. Nintendo has to have some hands on this fucking movie. Yeah, I totally so, agree. And why not? And and fuck the live action shit. Why not just go animated, man? Do some state of the art well, animation. Oh God, I mean, but why <laughs> when you could? Well, why when you could just do some state of the art animation and really make it look stunning, visually stunning, make it look like Toy Story or some shit, or How to Train Your Dragon or something, and just. You know, give it that basic hero story with Mario trying to save the princess. I mean, it's all there for you. You don't even have to really overcomplicate it. And if you just try, it'll be better than that fucking atrocity that is Super Mario Brothers with John Leguizamo and Bob Hopkins. I mean, come on. Maybe they'll end up doing something kind of like, what is it? Uh, There will be Brawl, which 
if you have not seen there will be brawl do yourself a favor and just google there will be brawl and watch that it's a web series it's live action it's based on smash brothers brawl it's fucking phenomenal yep it is dark and twisted as fuck but it's amazing i mean it would be it'd be great to me if if like uh if nintendo just did something like that they said fuck it and they just made this dark twisted mario movie and you know just really kind of took the things that are like fun and campy in mario and they just showed how dark and twisted it really is when you think about it that would be neat and yeah i can second that that there will be brawl youtube series was phenomenal so that something like that can definitely work and like i said it just seems like when you try with mario you you can't fail i mean if some fans tried i've seen tons of video content that is an homage to mario or people dressed as mario doing stuff and because the people tried i enjoyed the videos just try guys that's all i'm saying whoever this movie that's coming out i I mean uh, obviously you listen to cinema slayers because it's your favorite podcast just try i implore you i beseech you i beg you just try and you will be better than that other movie please for the love of god we'll see and, and that's the funny thing about there will be brawl is it's not accurate to anything whatsoever but the things they do in that web series show an understanding of the video games and the different elements of that stuff and when you look at that live action mario brothers movie none of it shows a basic understanding of the the video games at all it's just the names of shit all over stuff and that's it so i mean honestly that's all you really need is just a basic understanding of the video games like you have to understand what goombas actually are you have to understand what power mushrooms are you have to understand you know just what these things actually are you can't just say oh that's a power mushroom and have it be a fungus that when it gets hit by a weird blast from a super scope it blocks shit like what the fuck is that (laughs) yeah you know they're like oh king koopa he's a dinosaur no he's not he's a weird turtle monster which technically makes less sense but still makes more sense than what the fuck they did with king koopa in that movie and all the shit with the 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 meteor like what the fuck like why the fuck would you tie in mario to the extinction of dinosaurs yeah who the hell thought oh this will work like mario and his brother go down a pipe and wind up in another dimension that's how they get to the mushroom kingdom it's just the most random dumb shit ever and somebody was like oh we got to make this feel more realistic or relatable so ah i know what we can do we can kind of tie in big bang slash dinosaurs and kind of mix it all together and say oh well now we got a different result and that's kind of what this mario scenario is it was just a terrible idea and i can't believe so many people read that shook hands on it and signed off on that film to be made i just don't understand you have to admit though it's a super 90s movie i mean when they had the big metal boots on and they're carrying fucking super scopes like their guns like you know that shit just looks super fucking 90s yeah totally 90s totally and at the time i'm pretty sure the strategy was well it's got mario's name on it it's got super mario brothers on it so automatically it's just gonna be awesome 
And I'm pretty sure that was the thought process behind it as well. Yeah. And do yourself a favor. Also, while you're Googling, there will be brawl. Also, look up Bob Hoskins reasoning for being in that movie because it's fucking great. It's just a fucking great. Um, And I'll summarize it real quick. He had no idea what Mario Brothers were at all. He got sent a script and his son was like, oh, man, the Super Mario Brothers movie. That's awesome. I love Mario. So he's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. He had no idea how wrong everything was. He was just doing it because his kid was like, that's awesome. And so he was being a good dad. See, that's what you get for being a good dad. The Mario Brothers movie. Wow, that's that that's actually great. And that's that's something that I really did not know until I heard you tell that story. So that's interesting. Another interesting tidbit about the Mario movie is if you want to know a little bit more about it, there's a really um, it's not very long. But this guy called the Gaming Historian, he's pretty cool. He's got a YouTube channel and he does like the history of video games. And it's a really awesome channel, man. Like he goes into different lawsuits and what happened one time when Atari and Nintendo went at it and had two different legal teams and this, that and the other and uh, stuff about. Uh, lawsuits that involve like uh, the old cartridge games and people trying to pirate them at the time and stuff like that. It's really neat stuff. Or he'll just do the history of a game series. Like one time he did the history of the Game Boy Mario games and why they were so unique and stuff like that. But anyway, he also has uh, the, the story of the Super Mario Brothers movie and some of the details that he was able to collect about this film like about how there were days where people were just actors and stuff would just be getting drunk and driving around and like some of those little uh, golf carts or whatever to different scenes and stuff that were on set just people would be driving drunk and stuff at one time like john leguizamo i believe fell off one of the cards and puked or something and people were laughing like there are just all these crazy stories about people just not giving a damn because apparently the directors were rookies or they hadn't really directed anything they just this was kind of like their first rodeo so they had no leadership skills no interpersonal skills so actors and producers were running all over them from what i heard it was an absolute disaster but i found that little a documentary he did on it pretty interesting so that's another thing i'd recommend so while you're looking at there will be bra go over to the game and historian and look up that history of mario brothers uh movie quite interesting yeah and i feel like if you watch that movie it would make sense that everybody was drunk the entire time because at this point in my life i have to be drunk to even like really think about watching that movie and yeah i have to be just pretty much blackout drunk to even watch it so But that's neither here nor there anymore. We want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. You know, check us out on www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on the Facebook, which is Cinema Slayers. Check us out on Twitter, which is Cinema underscore Slayers. Check us out on Instagram at Cinema underscore Slayers. Um, You know, like we've said, we've got like essentially a little contest going for you guys. So if you are a musician or you know a musician or you think you're a musician and you think you have got an awesome song for us to use as our intro music, let us know. Send it to us at cinemaslayers at cinemaslayers.com. That way we can take a listen and we'll figure out which is the best one and we'll make that our new intro. And if you are the winner, you will get some monetary compensation 
on top of all that. So yeah, essentially there is a cash prize for winning that. Also, if you guys or anybody out there is wanting to start a podcast or thinking about starting a podcast or got an idea for starting a podcast and you really kind of want to uh, figure out what to do with it and all this other stuff and, you know, get it going or you already have one and you kind of want to grow your fan base or something like that, uh, hit me up at sterling at cinemaslayers.com. And that way we can, you know, maybe talk about some stuff and get something going and add to what is known as Nightstar Broadcasting, which there will be more talked about that later. But that's kind of what we're going with right now. We've got another show lined up hosted by me um, that will be debuting in June called Sterling versus the World. And it will be a very fun podcast. And it'll be a lot of people trying to make me squirm and me arguing the fuck out of it. So thank you guys for listening. And just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Thank you.